I've probably always been a night owl, but I'm I'm not sure if I can remember back to when I started watching late night talk shows. I mean, way back when it, the latest show I can remember was on radio. It was um, Royal Canadian Air Farce, but that would have been only once a week. And then a few along the way, I remember watching, oh, I forget the name of the one on, that was produced in Canada. Um, and it was okay. It was definitely, you know, not the greatest of production. I remember back in, must have been 94, catching a little bit of, of um, uh, not Rick Green. What was his name? Wow, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, controversial comedian. Um, who did a cable access version, sort of, I believe it was a late night show. I don't know if I ever watched it all that much. Um, but somewhere in there, somewhere between the VCR stage and the PVR stage, um, I started watching late night TV because it was easier to record it and watch it the next day. Uh, there was a, a rather the between those two is the empty stage where I could only watch it live. Um, it's kind of funny how you know D VCRs kind of went out of favor, but there wasn't really the same thing until DVRs came along. Anyway, the I, I remember watching um, Letterman. I never really cared for Jay Leno. I I probably saw some Carson back in the day, but I never really cared for Jay Leno. Uh, and that show, but I, I always admired, for whatever reason, the, the the timing, the wit of of Letterman. Uh, many of the guests too, and of course Paul Schaefer, I think was a, a draw part of that as well. I did um, continue to watch when Stephen Colbert took it over, and for the first couple of years, I think I was pretty close to it. I'm trying to remember how far before. COVID, he started, it probably was quite a ways. It's probably been a decade, I think, of, of him already. Um, and certainly during COVID, he had, you know, no audience, no show he could really do. But he was doing these odd little things from home. And that was very, very interesting. I really appreciated that. It was during a time when we were also struggling at the radio station to figure out what we could do. And and uh, it was inspiring to see him doing those things. I didn't have quite the same energetic level, <laughs> unfortunately, that he did. But I, I've kind of moved away from that. And I think in some ways, because I, I record it every night, I don't watch it half the time. And sometimes it's about the guests. But I started watching recently some some interviews on, on YouTube. Interviews and monologues from uh, The Late Late Show, uh, hosted by Craig Ferguson. I just remember, too, I had watched that one. When it was still Craig Kilburn who did the show, and I think that's when I, that's where I started. I don't. I, it has a long legacy of going back uh, as well, but I never really. I, I I know I watched in the Craig Kilburn era, and I was I kind of like Craig Kilburn as I recall, and I believe he also did the Daily Show at one point too. I think he was the predecessor on the Daily Show to John Stewart, which another show that I I never really watched quite as much as it deserved. And I watched a little bit when it came on with, um, oh, he's just left. And my name, my, my brain, I'm tired, so I'm, I apologize. My name delivery is, is pretty uh, limited. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. <sighs> I also appreciated his COVID version 
of uh, of the Daily Show with um, nope, I can't I can't bring it up for some reason. Anyway, I've been watching recently Craig Kilburn's uh, interviews. Some of the guests that he had on there it was actually a reference in I think a Geek Radio Daily episode where they talked about I don't even remember the name of the actress now uh, who had been a big influence on the show. And she was the one who gave an iconic gift to Craig Kilburn, um, this uh, rattlesnake mug that he used from that point until the end of the show. Uh, but Craig uh, Kil- uh, Craig Ferguson, I should say, um, he had a very different style from a much more casual style, uh, much more risque, and he also did a lot more serious comedy. It was really quite interesting to see. In effect, many nights... He would do an opening monologue that would be 20, 30 minutes long of an hour-long show. Um, and they were often very riveting. It was very personal. It was it was kind of basically a stand-up routine that he was doing. But I think it was also doing – while he had some of it prepared, I think a lot of it was inspired at the moment. And he was incredible at doing that. And it was a, it was riveting. And I, I didn't watch it all the time. I don't know when I drifted away from it, but I, I, uh, I really liked it. And his his silliness that he would get up to with his guests, um, awkward pause was one of his games that he would play. Um, what was it? There was a quiz game, and there was a couple of others, and just just bizarre stuff and uh, very cheeky late night. And then he also would do something where he would swear on the show, and they would replace it with bizarre phrases, ooh la la and taco and a few other things, which I think inspired some others to do it that way. I don't know if that's the direct inspiration for Nutty Nukchas and the way that she handles the accidental swears on her show, but it certainly feels like the same mechanism. So maybe an indirect replacement or maybe somebody else came up with it. I don't know. That was where I saw it. But it was, it was, I don't know. I found those riveting recently. I've been watching a few of them on YouTube, just kind of, I recently watched the one with, with uh, Stephen Fry. And what someone's gone and collected all the interviews with individual guests that were repeated of the shows. Stephen Fry was on the show like four or five times. I started to watch the Kristen, Kristen Bell one. And then I realized she'd been on the show 26 times and it was something like four hours, <laughs> which is entertaining, but not, you know, it's too more distraction and I have plenty to watch. But the Stephen Fry ones are interesting, partially because Stephen Fry himself is just a, an amazing um, intellect um, and comedian. And uh, um, he's an interesting person, I think, in general. There have been numerous things about him and about his stances on things and his, his thought-out way of approaching things, which I've really admired. Most recently, um, he's been one of the few people who said that he's not casting J.K. Rowling to the curb just yet. Uh, I think in part it, it's the kind of idea that you need to confront some people you might consider your friends when they make stupid ideas and stupid turns and, and are going down the wrong path. But it was a bit of a controversy. But he himself is is uh, quite brilliant. And in one series, um, I think it was – I don't know if it was an experiment for a week. But they didn't even have um, uh, an audience. There was no audience. There was no – there was nobody there. And I can't remember if it was a strike or if it was just some other experiment they were doing. Uh, and then after that, they returned with an audience and introduced all kinds of weird, bizarre 
side guests like the mechanical skeleton and the talking moose head or rhino head, I think. the Somebody in a, in a horse costume. Very strange. Um, but it was a really remarkable conversation about, well, far-ranging. Um, and it was interesting, too, to hear people who were sort of classically educated speaking because they were talking about, you know, some of the classical authors that, you know, would have been part of the curriculum at the time. And they had uh, interesting things to say about them and the implications and how these things were, were you know, framing the reality around them or how they were contrasting with the reality around them. And it got me to thinking, too, about the way we, we have – our education and and how much more fragmented it likely is these days. There are still some touchstones that most people in North America, at least, have as common features of their their upbringing, uh, their education. Shakespeare being one of them, although that's being challenged. And I think there's other authors, perhaps that that deserve to take the stage. But I think Shakespeare still belongs there to me. Um, and common authors and common philosophers and, and all of these sorts of things. A liberal arts education, which I never really had myself. I, I did uh, English and advanced English or English 10-1, 11-1, 12-1, 12 I forget what they were labeled. Um, but I didn't go on to do anything with that after after um, after high school. But there was, there was something about that that time frame. And, and when I was able to stay up and watch them, I really did find them entertaining. Um, Trevor Noah, that's who I was trying to, I knew I'd remember eventually from the daily show. I know that they're, they're training or, or auditioning new hosts. I haven't really paid attention. I watched one episode with Wanda Sykes, but it wasn't the same. Uh, it's always hard to do the transition. Um, but I, I, I discovered that Craig Ferguson's getting back into doing a few things. He'd kind of stepped away almost entirely after uh, from the Late Late Show. And uh, I'm intrigued to find out what he's been doing since. And I know there's some stand-up com uh, stuff that he's been doing for a while, too. I don't know. The, the relationship between me and late-night TV, I, 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 kind of, I kind of wonder what place it holds and is it different because I, you know, record it and watch it the next day or a week later? Um, it's nice to see the commentary on the on the on the events of the day. Someone who can dissect that and rearrange it, find some comedic elements in it, but also use comedy as that incredible delivery mechanism for for hard thoughts uh, and people with actual intellects. You know, and, and intellect is the wrong term because that it's not that they're not smart; they're educated. I think is the biggest thing, and not educated in a rote way, but educated in a way that were challenged and they had to had to really dig deep into this into the ideas of it. And I admire people like that, really do, because I've always wanted to be one. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have the depth of knowledge and experience and and metaphor and simile and, and uh, classical literature and philosophy that I would love to have for all of that. I only have the quick wit <laughs> and, uh, and the ability to, to leap perilously from one thought to another. Anyway, go check out Craig Ferguson's monologues in particular. Maybe some of the interviews he did. A lot of the interviews are somewhat basic and it was funny watching some of the interviews with people repeatedly 
because you realize that they had forgotten what they had talked about before. Get, I only heard it a few minutes before that, and they talked about the same thing, or they went through the same routines, except in a few cases. I've been wandering out loud. I marked the encaffeinated one unlike, un, undoubtedly. <laughs> I have repeated myself multiple times and probably came to similar conclusions most of the time. It'd be interesting to compare and contrast the different conclusions I've come to. There is a part of me which still wants to try to do the great re-listen and then take, say, a, a week's worth, listen to them, and then comment on them, maybe take notes this time. Don't think it's going to happen. I'm getting up to that level of of, <laughs> of way too much uh, trivial content having been produced. But I have FOMO about the only things I've said, which is terrible. In any case... I will gather my thoughts again tomorrow and perhaps speak about something coherent. Perhaps something I've spoken about a hundred times. Maybe I'll come to a different conclusion. That's not madness. That's simply wandering. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.